Hey everybody, welcome to the Mountain Deer Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Elmer, and I'm here with my co-hosts, all three of them, Taylor Elmer. Hey guys. Ryan Elmer. How's it going? And Casey Elmer. How's it going, guys? We were actually uh, sitting around the table in the shop today, and we are like, well, we should do a podcast. What do you guys want to talk about? And I was like, you know what we could do is uh, share the story about how this whole kind of spiel got going. Um, and that would be how, how you became a taxidermist. And the other thing I think would be kind of fun is because you have three sons here, I think it'd be interesting to get like what it was like to grow up a taxidermist son, right? Because to be fair, <laughs> I think it's a pretty big difference compared to like what a lot of other parents do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, My dad's let's, an accountant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of start off. Why don't you uh, kind of mm-hmm. give, give them a kind of little rundown of how this how mountain deer started came well Teresa and I had just uh, gotten married and uh, uh, you boys were all starting to starting to get going and I was uh, I always loved hunting and part of us getting married was like I'm gonna go hunting so and I always did and she didn't have no problem with that <laughs> and thank God and, or, or <laughs> she, did, she didn't say much about it she was quiet at least or whatever but you know, it, it was something. I I was reading in an outdoor life. Uh, Chuck Adams was going caribou hunting, and he was going to Quebec, and he went to uh, Ungava Adventures with his wife, and they each shot some big ones. I think hers qualified for Boone and Crockett, but she got it with a bow. That's huge. And, and his was a Pope and Young animal, too, I, I believe, like the article said. And, wow. and back then, they were worried about maybe uh, the caribou in Quebec would some someday be gone and their numbers are starting to go down and they were worried that someday they'd be gone and like someday they won't be there anymore and I they, they shot some beautiful animals and and I was I was into bow hunting and I, I I'm like man I gotta go there I just gotta go do that so I saved up three grand and worked my way through it and uh, it was probably the some I think it was like thirty eight hundred dollars it was a drop camp type deal I went there and went caribou hunting. Um, I didn't. I went by myself, but I met like four or five, five guys I think from all over the U.S. And we went to this drop camp, Lake Sabrina, and and hunted. And I, I shot a really nice animal, um, and it almost made Pope and Young. And but I got it with a rifle, so it wasn't either one of those. But it was a really good bull, and I also shot a, a cow with my bow, and then. And you could shoot two back then. And when I came back um, to Vermont and I asked around, and uh, Mike Poulin says to me, he says, you, you, need to, you need to bring it to Mike Renault. He's, he's one of the best taxidermists around, and he was up in Colchester, and you need to bring your caribou up there. So I, I called him up, and I went up to his shop, and I got inside there, and I was like enthralled with all the antlers hanging from the ceiling. And I'm like, wow, you can do this. You can make these things. This is so cool. And as soon as I saw them styrofoam mannequins, I was like, man, I got to get me one of those. I got to try this. This looks so cool. And he's like, well, yeah, it's pretty easy to get into. You know, just get a kit from Cabela's and give it a whirl, you know. So that year for Christmas, uh, Teresa, I, I went deer hunting. And I left my caribou with him, and, and I went deer hunting, and I shot a nice six-pointer, and it was another grunted buck. And I grunted, and he stopped, and I shot, and he came running back to me, and I got him. And when I got him home, like I uh, caped him out, because I knew how to cape now. I, I learned quite a bit of that from my guide, how to cut around the head and how to get it off. I, I stayed in camp. I, was, I had my caribou dead early the first one and then the, the the bigger bull was at the end of the hunt but I had time enough when I was in camp I learned a lot from my guide Chris he was a really good guy and and I learned about how to cape so I knew how to cape my deer so I caped it and I told Teresa I said I, I want one of those deer mounting kits for Christmas you know get me one of those that's <laughs> what I want for Christmas so I I caped the deer and I put it in the freezer and I cut the horns out and everything and and I said while you're at it get me a couple of videos they had BHS videos oh beta max for all you kids out there VHS is a black square <laughs> that you put in another black square <laughs> hooked they, to a f- big tube TV <laughs> in the back 
T- Taylor used to walk on them for a living when he was little. <laughs> well, he put all the VHS tapes all the way across the It was the closest room thing I had to blacktop, man. Yeah. How was this? Something? Well, right. it was to keep your feet off the lava. Come That's on. Right. <laughs> anyway. So I, I got the... I got the kit, and it took me, boy, I want to say two, an entire weekend to flesh and turn everything in it. I was, like, no good at it. And, I, I of course, I'd never done it before. So I jumped through all the hoops, and I did everything that the video said to do, and I just, I'm like, man, I can do this. And I put that deer together, and it came out pretty good. It's still hanging in my dad's uh, deer camp uh, up there. And... Uh, Mike had said, well, when you get it and you give it a whirl, just bring it up and we'll take a look at it, right? So I brought, when I went up to get my caribou, I brought up my deer head I made and, and we looked at it, you know, and he talked about it a little bit. And I was disappointed that some of the hair inside the ears had fallen out. But it took me so long to flesh that thing. It was practically rotten by the time I got it, around, <laughs> right? So like, you know, it just, you know, one of those things. So I end up making it and it comes out pretty good or what I think is pretty good and I brought it up to him and he said well I wish my first year looked that good yeah that looks really nice so I um I was pretty proud of it and I, I brought my caribou home and hung him on the wall there and now I had a deer head and then pretty quick um you know my my buddy wants a deer and then my brother-in-law shoots a deer and and like well we'll mount that one you know and i can just give it a whirl so i just kind of got into it and started at it i was at a workbench down in the basement just like going and practicing and learning and and read i read a lot of books tons and tons of books um and most of them were old school I mean, there were books that were written back in the 50s and 60s. Mannequins were made out of uh, bricks and wood. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally Excelsior. Yeah. 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 I know about bricks. I, I, I haven't seen any with bricks in them. Plaster and wood. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That I mean, was, that's, that for, that's, that's the fish. Right? <laughs> use, use bricks and the fish, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they weigh more. Right? Come on, man. Stretch yeah. them out. But it was, it was really quite a curve. And, and you guys, of course, were completely enthralled by it. You're like, oh, that's a deer. And, and you're, you want to stick your fingers and all everything. <laughs> check it all out. <laughs> and of course, you. I first thing you do as it. a baby, right? You stick your finger in the nose, right? right. Of the caribou, right? I stick it in my nose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we know. Right. Yeah. You got that. But it was it was quite an experience, and and of course it just morphed and grew, and and I did it part time for ten years, um, and just did a few heads on the side, and then made money enough for me to go on a hunt every year, and I thought, well, it doesn't take away from my household income, you know, for. T- for running the show and it gave me a little extra money to go on a hunt so I thought well if I just did a little bit of taxidermy every year and I made a couple thousand dollars then like every third year or something I could go on a caribou hunt again or I could go go whatever so um, just started taking the money and then next thing you know we're going to Maine and just absolutely love that and that now became where that extra money went and it was something fun to do in my evenings and stuff um, after a while, it wasn't so much because I had so much to do, and I was getting pretty good at it. I was getting faster at it, and now I've committed to a whole bunch of people saying, "Yes, I'll work for you in my spare time." And you guys were little; you you were you needed my you needed my attention, and even though you loved doing it too, because you guys were down on the workbench with your little ha- toy hammers and stuff, banging away and and working with me, and we'd talk, and you'd be at the workbench too, you know. But, well, the good thing about it too, being at the house. You were still home. Yeah, I was still there. You were right. still there. It's not like we were being unattended when we were little kids right. because we were down in the shop with you. And, of course, you're making sure we're not getting in any tanning solution. Right. No, you know, no. Yeah, we, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, but at the same time when we would go fishing and I was thinking, boy, I should be back home doing my work instead of fishing with my little boys. I'm like, what are you thinking? This is stupid. Mm-hmm. And I was working full time in the granite industry and you know, the 40, 45, sometimes 50 hours a week, sometimes it was just, it was a lot to do this on the side, to do the full-time job and to raise, you know, two guys. So it was like, we need to do something different. Something's got to go here. And, um, and things had changed at the company quite a bit and I had kind of maxed out everything I could do there. And I, I was, it was kind of a waste of my talents at that point. And I'd been there 19 years, yeah, and I got of, a pretty good retirement yeah. from it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to just jump into the taxidermy, just do it full time. So I just bit the bullet and just did it and um, haven't looked back. It's It's been quite a quite a thing. I, 
never thought that I would work on a porch for seven years, you know, on my own as a business. And the house, our house mm-hmm. was full of deer. The, the drying deer of everybody else's completely filled our house and the porch. And the, the porch yeah. was completely full, which is just one 12-foot wall. And all well, the rest of it was all are in the living room. Well, also, yeah. also, we had like my deers, you know, all mine are in the living room. It's full. Your and... shop had upgraded from the basement in the first house. Yeah. Then we moved to another house, and then it moved onto the porch, which was double the space of the basement, but it was still a 12 by what, 20 porch? Yeah, with three sides glass. So, like, they only had one wall space of right. you know, one 12, 14 foot And you wall. get a moose on that wall. <laughs> yeah. That nose is at your belly right. button. There was a time when I had a moose, a caribou, and, like, three or four deer and a whole bunch of like coyotes and oddball stuff, <laughs> birds and stuff all over that wall, all trying to dry and get them done. And when you're building them out almost every single day, after a while, it just wouldn't cut it. And we there'd be stuff hanging all over our house. The garage was full of mannequins and like, we just, it was a shuffle for a while there. And finally I said, that's it. We, we just can't keep doing this. And we need to do something. So let, let's build a shop. So we looked into buildings and metal buildings, and a Morton building was perfect for us. And uh, we, your mother and I had talked about how we wanted to make it. I'm sure she'd have plenty of comments on this one. And, you know, and, and where to put it and whatnot. And Donnell has some great advice to put it in a, in a good spot there where you wouldn't have to work real hard at it. And uh, Jeff and Jimmy uh, helped me with the concrete and stuff and, and the excavators and putting in the, the power and the septic system and all that. And they got all that done. And then Morton built the building on the slab. And, and now it's our shop. And I had no idea what a little bit of taxidermy would get me into. Pretty amazing, really. No, it turned into what quite would the a, a Christmas present? Because this is right. a one time right. in history Santa time. actually delivered. <laughs> <laughs> I want a taxidermy kit. Santa's like, done. You know what? That's the first person that's ever asked that. You know what? You're getting it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Toy train ain't going to cut it. Right. Well, who would have thought that a taxidermy kit would turn to a full-blown profitable business? Well, not to mention how much it changed you guys' life. Oh, it changed your mother's life like crazy. Big it changed impact. my life like crazy. But it also changed you guys. And I'm sure some of it was positive. Some of it probably wasn't so hot. But... That was all good, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, you guys go to school with a turkey foot. And a <laughs> yeah, that was kindergarten. You wanted to show everybody, yeah. here's a turkey's foot. And this is what it looks like. And, and, oh, the and, best the yeah, best part, show and tell. That was third grade, uh, third grade Miss Peralt's class. Yeah. Um, we... What does your parents do for work? Kind of situation came up, and um, and I knew it was it was gonna we were gonna talk about the next day. So I brought in a turkey foot, and of course it was a relatively fresher turkey foot, and so, so it was still bendy. So it was still, <laughs> it was still very bendy. That's right. And also too good mental. Image. When uh, if you look on the turkey uh, how to build a turkey plaque video on YouTube, he talks about uh, he talks about bending the bending the the foot so that way it will dry, but also. When you bend it and you cut it off, it makes so that the tendons won't poke out. But if you did it the other way, and uh, it would make it so that the tendons would poke out. And then what we would end up doing is we would end up pulling on the tendons <laughs> and Make making it making it wave, but also like giving the middle finger to our friends <laughs> and stuff like that. So, oh my God. They always learn the tricks, boys. <laughs> Look what I can do, Dad. I think each yeah. one of us did the turkey foot thing. Oh my school. God, yeah. Oh, at least. Yeah, and yeah. you bring it in and all the girls, uh, all the girls freak yeah. out and they run away and scream and everything like that and the teacher's like, um, Casey, can you put that back in your locker? <laughs> but it was really funny. Please, and a lot please of... no severed animal limbs. <laughs> I got my turkey foot confiscated. There was a lot of like biological things that you guys knew through that. Oh, right? there yeah. was a lot of like anat- an- anatomy, biological uh, theories and, and questions and stuff that you guys had that applied to nature, and we got in some of the most elaborate concert con- conversations because of that. It was sure. Huge. It gave us a jump start on being interested in nature and science. Yeah. Oh, because like time. we we li- like we had all touched our first brain at like five years old. Yeah, right. Like you're cutting open heads and stuff, and it's like we have gloves, and he gives us all the stuff we need. But we're like, you're invest, you're a kid. That's a brain. Oh yeah, you're looking at you like, oh my god, right? Like <laughs> I want to touch it. It opened up. It opened up tons of opportunities to see things and understand nature and 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 yourselves. It was because crazy. it applied to you. Oh, of yeah. course. 
That's no, what mine like, looks like. That's what well, that's what a brain looks like. This is what yours you look like on the inside too, right? Right. And and that that this isn't a gross thing. This is a beautiful living machine. Oh yeah. You know, and its capability, like a deer, can stand in a spot for six weeks straight without not eating. eat a thing and live through it. That's right. right. You know, that's an incredible thing. In that's an incredible survival yeah, right. machine. It gave you us know. a. It was a kind of a humbling uh, upbringing. It was we had respect for all the deer, and you you respected them because you're like, wow, those mm-hmm. things are so good. But they also they put food on our table. Not not just the deer, but all wildlife. Right. Yeah, in in the the grand scheme of nature and how it's a system, it has rules that apply, and you have to listen to them, right? Gravity, mm-hmm. right? You have to listen to it. So, like, there's lots of things that were just so good, and it was a jump start, and it was also a subject that other people around you, even adults, didn't know. Yes, but you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that there was a confidence thing there. It's mm-hmm. like, well, this is what that's like. I know what a tendon looks like. Oh, you hurt your ligaments? Right? Yeah. Some kid in school would hurt themselves, and you guys would be like, I know what them things are like, man. You don't just sew them back together. Right? You guys would know that. You yeah. know? You know, so it's like, it was really good stuff. It was easy um, to see contrasts in relationships because our our mother had a daycare and worked nights uh, as a custodian for uh, Northfield Savings Banks. Right. And you, you know, from, it was pretty early in my life. You had transferred over to being a taxidermist when I was still pretty young. No, right. Yeah. So now she's home, you're home. And we had both of our parents almost full time, no, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Because like one, we got tons of time to see you guys, tons of exposure. And it was, right. it was basically all of us together all the time. And that, that set us up pretty good to have to have really good relationships. You guys both being, you know, more of the entrepreneurial type. And seeing that, that set us up because the three of us boys, we have a few different companies of our own. Yeah. Well, we ended up, like, making a, a nonstop education situation available, like, all the time. Always and learning. it didn't take long. You guys just wanted it all. You know, you wanted, what's this? What's that? Why is this? Why is that? Why, how does that do that? And now you started applying all that to everything else you did. And when you met those other people in your lives and they asked a question, you knew the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And pretty quick, you guys would go to school and any nature questions. Had it. It was easy. You guys were on it. That was they, like, they went out of their way to say, hey, what's the deal? Right. I had a class in, back in high school. It was an AP class uh, it was a college level class i took through a high school program called comparative anatomy basically you break down the science of the of the human body in relationship to other bodies like i.e cats dogs yeah. whatever and we had to dissect a a, a a dead cat a feral cat and uh within five minutes i had it scun out and i had learned that and how to do it and the the whole thing about the class was the professor's like you'll get extra points if you can cape the skin this animal mm-hmm. and not disrupt any extra tissue, you know, because technically you're training for a type of surgery. You mm-hmm. need you're trying to investigate what's going on, and the less damage you do, the more you can learn about what is there. And I had that cat scan out in five minutes, and I had other members of my class saying, "Hey, can you do mine? Hey, can you do mine?" And I did so well in that class because of what taxonomy had already taught me prior to that class. Right. It made you way more well-rounded. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And, and of course, that applied to everything. It wasn't just one thing. Right. It, one of the biggest things, and Casey, Casey will attest to this, as to motivation for basically how we've set up the rest of our life, was because people getting a deer and they bring it to you ended up putting food on our table. You going out and shooting deer put food on our table. Mm-hmm. Right. It put a roof over our head. So, like, being really tied into nature in New England was important for the well-being of our family. Oh, it oh, led to a lot of it, things. It, it led it, to other things. Oh, yes, yeah, and it, it, very much we, so, yeah. it is a major personal, direct relationship to how the woods are in New England for us. Oh, it, all, yeah. it has been that way for a long time. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's like in that at the backbone of a lot of the decisions that we've made and a lot of the things that we're into, it's because of that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why we're into hunting so much is because 
our our the majority of our family dynamic and culture has been centered around that shop. Yeah. It's been centered around you and mom, which you know, mom mom was on the board of Fish and Wildlife in Vermont for a number of years. Six, yeah, right? six. You six, guys six years. you guys have been yeah. volunteers with Fish and Wildlife Department, hunter safety instructors, right? We have people coming and going it. from the home. We know everybody in the state of Vermont. CSI work for all the game wardens, oh, yeah. bear die or whatever. And you're just yeah, you just done a lot of that. Learning too. about the yeah. woods yeah. and yeah. having an impact. Hunter education yeah, too. It's been it's yep. been pretty pretty amazing. The impact that deer have had on us directly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention like our effect on the deer too. Oh yeah, because, the other direction of the relationship. Right, it goes both ways. You know, right. you take care of the trees, and then the trees take care of the deer, and then the deer take care of you, and mm-hmm. you got a circle. That's yes, right. right. And and we managed. What comes to, around goes around. Yeah, we managed to make a circle with nature and try and give back as much as we could, and of course encourage new hunters. Uh, help hunting's name be good. Help to uh, um, inform. There, there was a million times like when the biologist and the, the board and the department are all talking and citizens are having a meeting talking about maybe how to run the deer herd. And like your mother's experience, she would say, well, actually, all of the four and five year old bucks are shot in the Thanksgiving week and you're only collecting biological data for the first opening weekend when if you want older buck data you have to collect the whole season's worth and this is why because for 30 years we see all the giant bucks coming in at those dates this date this date and this date right right around thanksgiving when people have time off that's That's right right. and when the the rut rut, the rut is just starting to edge off a little bit when the weather's good and the weather's perfect for hunting and the the big boys are getting shot and this there's actually i believe that your numbers may all be off a whisker and that this may be the time when there are more older bucks in there than you thought. And this is when you ought to look to see. And sure enough, that ended up being the case when a lot of the bigger older deer, the percentages of them actually proved to be a little higher when we, she convinced them to start pulling teeth and we, they, they ended up pulling teeth. She doesn't take all the credit for it because everybody agreed it'd probably be a good idea. But to, she definitely spearheaded it. Well, though. sure, and, and and of course that comes from that experience, and we ended up, you know, knowing more about it and had a better system, so that if we make changes in the future, we'll have a little better science about it, you know. And there's a lot of enlightenment that everybody can add to it if you know they're paying, if they've got their ear to the road, so to speak, like all the time. Yeah. And that's one thing we did because. We knew how things were going really well. We we saw it year after year after year, and after thirty years of doing it, boy, you really you you you've seen it all at that point. Yeah. Now this might actually surprise the listeners, but do you work in the shop alone? No, I mean mom's in there quite a bit. Um, she's she was really very little in the beginning, mostly during deer season, and then later on she started working in there more and more and more, and then. Um, was in completely full time for a while, and now she's gone back to just part time. Um, Tammy's been helping out quite a bit. Her twin sister, she's been helping out quite a bit. You guys helped out when you were little. What's up? I mean, you did it a lot. That's right. You and anybody? Like in the end, um, everybody's had their hands in it some, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of always been mostly my deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had to say how it was, for but sure. I had no idea that taxidermy or deer would get me into so much other things right the had people no that we met because actually and the things i've learned because deer hunting actually and the taxidermy end of it is how you met coco puff oh yeah no yeah. definitely yeah i was checking in a big buck and the not yet a, world famous coco puff yeah he had a doe and we we met at a reporting station and just kind of hit it off a little bit and he wanted to uh, get his doe mounted and uh, so we started talking. He brought his dough over to the shop there, and we got to talking. And it was four hours later, he finally went home. Because you know, <laughs> we were having such a great talk. And, and Tracy was like, was I'm going to bed, right? And it was on the front porch, so it was in the house. Right. And that, you know, after a while, it's like, you got to get your business out of your house when it's right. that big. It Separation. can't be just in the house. You have customers showing up at your house at random times. Yeah, all oh, yeah. the time. Most of the time in the evening. Deer season late. was crazy. Oh the phone would ring off the hook. Right? And like after a while, we just got to get like business life and home life separated a little bit. At least in order to stay at sane. least to a degree. As oh much sure, as you can. Yep. She was better to kill you. 
But even a lot of the daycare kids, look how much they would come in the shop and they oh, would learn yeah. and they just liked it too. I mean, it's there was there was so much to, to see and well, to think so about. Well, it's so new and it's so different to their general norm. Yeah. So they're like, whoa, it's just like when we were, when we were little. It's yeah. just like, this is so different and interesting because it's so different. The, it's expo- different. the exposure to things you don't get. Right. You don't just get to just pick over a wild animal and touch it. You know, there were there were some not so good parts about it too though, I mean oh, there's, there's there was the stress of getting everything done when you had so much to do. There was after a while it's like boy there's so much to do and it eats up a lot of your time. Your summers are non-existent. Yes, you work all summer and and then after a while you're working all winter. You're working year round except for deer season and during deer season I don't care if Mr. Trump wants something he's not getting it because I'm going deer hunting. Yeah. Just the way that is, I was always going to deer hunt no matter what, and I always tried to set my work up around me going deer hunting, even if it was only for a week. Yeah, you know, leaving ha- the house and going to the woods for a week, which straight, has turned into six, which has turned yep. into six weeks. Yeah, it's pretty of, great. Of Mom gets a, a huge thank you and a big praise for she. Well, she escaped a lot of deer. <laughs> Mom pulls down the fort she, while we're out playing out in the woods. She's <laughs> heard every deer story in the world about twelve and times. To this day, I think she still asks. So tell me your story, right? She has every so, single person every time. To come to the shop. But yeah. also too, though, when the person would come into the shop. And mom says, "Tell me your story," because you're trying to decide what you want to what you want your your game to look like, whether it's a deer, moose, fish, whatever. And they say, "Well, I don't know." And mom says, "Tell me your story," because that's what you're going to remember when you look at it. So she has a great way of she's narrating. great for it. She's great for that, and she's got a great way to get you to tell the story, but also come to the realization of what you want to look like on your own and not pressuring into you to buying a certain thing. Right, and how it was how it was turning and how she might help you figure out how you want to remember it. Because right. it's really just three-dimensional picture. You know, that's really it, yeah. all it is. And, and when you think about in the house where it's going to set or what it's going to look like, right, she, she's, she's got her spiel down and she knows it pretty well. And, yeah. and that part is great and it's allowed us to be in the woods. And the rest of the year, she can pretty much goof off all she wants. I don't care. You know, just that one little time there, we right. made the, a sacrifice. The, She's right. sacrificed a little bit of time hunting because of it too. Mm. You know, where she could, she could definitely go. And so, you know, the days come in there when things may change a little bit again. But it is what it is. I I think you maybe do a job for twenty years, and then it might be time for a change. And my dad always said that. You know, it's time for doing something different. And, changing it up a little bit. You don't want to relive the same day over and over and over. And that was part of it. Unless you really like it. You'd have to really, really like it. And then, or it's a different day every day in the same field. Yeah. It so, did, it did right. pro, like, it's provided some serious variety. Oh, definitely. It's also provided a place. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, we, we joke all the time that the shop is the center of the universe. Definitely but the truthfully... It is for us. That's for sure. Yeah. It's kind of where it all started and yeah. really where it all ends Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if there was any tough parts for you guys. I, it's it's tough when you, you decide to have a business and you end up having to throw everything of you into that business, especially early on. You, you throw quite a bit into it and, you know, you don't want to take away from your kids or... Or anything like that and, and of course you want to include it but it's made you guys have like some business sense and some some oh yeah like you're not you're unafraid of a lot of things I don't think it uh, was tough for us it made us more independent um, because dad had to go do things and so he's like figure it out I don't care I have to go do this and I'm not gonna hold your hand because when you're 20 years old I'm not gonna be there to hold your hand yeah. so we're we're teenagers and we're or we're 16 years old and we're starting to dry. We're starting to, of course, didn't have that much money. Um, worked at the grandparents' campground in the summer, so had a little bit of cash, but not enough to really be dangerous with. And then the old F-150 needed a clutch. Right. Or uh, the go kart broke. The go kart broke, and we had to yeah. fix it. Fix it. And he's like, uh, "I'm busy doing my thing because it's uh, it's working time. Yeah. If I if I wasn't doing my own business, I would be somewhere else, and I still wouldn't be here." So yep. figure it out. Yeah, but also too, on the same token, he was still around. He, he oh, was I was still right there. Around. You could ask a question, right. and I'd say, "Here, use this, do that, right. and go yeah. for yeah. it." And you right. guys would just jump yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah, and it made you guys kind of 
group Independent. together and go for it that's a little right. bit. Yeah, you, right. you pull your stuff. You right. gave us a place to do those things too. Like, right. it, like you're especially we actually we the use your shop. business a lot for resources for our own stuff. That's right. You know what I mean? Like we right. we yeah. all the tools and the garage door right. and the concrete. And we like use it was a place for us right. to do these things. Right. I'm here, but I'm here, but if you need me, but you won't need me. It was also a place to like. It became like a like a local hangout <laughs> for us. There's so, you know what I mean? Well, for not just everybody. For us. Yeah, all the tire kickers. Like you get you the bus would drop us off. And we'd walk into the shop, and we'd, we'd go straight to the fridge, which is my favorite. I Every time I go there, I walk right by Dad. I'm like, what's up, buddy? And I beeline for the fridge, and I know there's, there's going to be nothing, nothing in there. <laughs> Just a bunch of random miscellaneous items. Condiments, mostly. Three yep. things that Maybe half, half, half a stick of up. butter or something, and then I close it, and I go, so, Dad, how's it going? <laughs> right? And it's like there's so many things and so many great memories and so many awesome people because the catalyst of the taxidermy shop. Oh, definitely. And and it's that because growing up, that's that has give, that gave Casey kind of his motivation to go to school for what he was and like you were going to be a game warden. Yeah, so I, of course the there was a, some nostalgia to being a warden and it was kind of get to see all the the game wardens come in, get to talk with them, get to hear the stories and I kind of I kind of like that um, that feel, and of course, I had a lot of respect for the wildlife and for the deer. And I, it was uh, 11th, 12th grade, and of course, everybody in all your call, all your high school uh, teachers and guidance counselors are pressuring you to go to college. And so it's like, well, if I'm going to go to college, and we uh, found out that we qualified for. I qualified for quite a bit of uh, help financial aid. By, yeah, financial aid from the state. So I was like, well, I can basically go to college for free, so why wouldn't I go? Yeah, good grades, it's a, I had good grades. You I, earned I worked it. Hard. You earned the You're financial aid, school. too. I worked hard, and I, I, I did my work, basically. And so I said, well, if, I, if I'm going to be a game warden, you either have to do, uh, you have to have the, the police background, or you have to have a degree. So it's like, well, I, I could go into wildlife or anything like that, but also, too, um, we cut our own firewood. We had 100 acres where we got to got to do a little a little logging and a little stuff like that. So it's like, well, I kind of like that aspect too. And I wanted to have like a small backup plan, I guess. Um, so it's like, if I go for forestry, I'll, I'll learn about the woods, but also too, if I don't like to be a game warden, I guess I'm to fall back on too, because I, I like the woods and I could either manage the people's effect on the wildlife or I could manage the, the habitat of the wildlife. And it's, it's both would have the same end game of helping Helping the wildlife be wild and also keeping it around. So went to went to University of Maine, Orono, be a forester, uh, to be a for for forestry. <clears throat> and uh, second year goes in, and I was an IRA. Um, I was babysitting basically freshmen, and I nightmare. It, I bet that was a nightmare. It dude. wasn't that bad. I had a a great bunch of guys, um, but it was all it was all the other people and all the other stories of. The people throwing up, or you name the it, college crazy, the college, college life, college which... life, and I said I don't want to babysit people, and I know being a warden, you kind of have to babysit people, you know the troublemakers, and you have to go in and kind of keep an eye on them. That was like a preview for you. Yeah, exactly, and I, I did a couple ride-alongs with like Dave Georgia and people as well, and I was like, well, the maybe the maybe the warden life isn't for me, and I even went and did the interview process with the state of Vermont. And you did the testing too. Did the testing, did the interview all. Destroyed it. I did. I did a great job, but I I didn't pass. I didn't pass the interview process, and it might have. Uh, it probably wasn't wasn't necessarily that was I wasn't qualified for it. It was I I wasn't a good fit for the for their department basically. So I was like, it was it was a blessing in disguise, definitely. So I was a forester, and of course I was was a forester, and then now uh, my now wife Haley works works in Maine, so I. Uh, got the news that I was moving to Maine from Vermont, and uh, she she basically said, "Hey, if you want to stay with me, I'm going to be moving to Maine." So I asked the asked Ryan and Taylor if, if they wanted to start a uh, tree service. So I, I get to use my I get to use my college degree to be a to be an arborist and to affect people's smaller tracts of land, not the five acres or the the one acre or the third of acres. Not so, the thirty thousand that not the thirty thousand that I was doing, but now now they get to affect their wildlife around them. So that way they they attract the birds. They also attract the deer if they want them, and and make it so that because I I've always wanted to kind of give a little bit of stewardship 
to to the woods because of course trees are the other half of our lungs every time we breathe out they breathe in and it was always a it was always a, a thing that the taxidermy business kind of gave to me was was the just the love of nature and I guess that's that's why we love to deer hunt but we love we love the wildlife and we just love the deer and we it's it's been quite a ride when you when you're around nature and you're all about nature and you understand the importance of how man relates relates to nature that is so imperative and we, I just wanted to find some way where I could do that you know even if somebody wasn't into hunting and you went in to their house and they had a deer head and they were so happy and proud of it even if you weren't into it you saw how much they were that's right and yeah. th- th- that would soften your edges yes right? because in the end, you know, life feeds on life, and that's just the way it works. And for the most part, it was like, let's be kind to it, let's use it, let's be a nice, docile collaborator with nature, right? And we wanted to kind of enhance everybody's relationship with it, if we could. And and I think, you know, even the YouTube channel has done that quite a bit, and, and we're, we're hoping this does too, um, as part of that, you know, ongoing thing. It was, it's funny. I, I'm looking forward to hearing what Ryan has to say because, you know, the one of the biggest things that your business and you and mom being taxidermists had done for Casey was it gave him a feeling of husbandry towards nature because he was so close to it and so directly impacted by its health and, and how, how well hunters did and all this other stuff. And that was the kind of the foundation for all of his decision making up until this point as far as like career wise and hobbies and interests and one of the things that looking back on it now I realized was all the time I spent in the shop with you was fostering creativity and spending time together Mm -hmm. which is interesting because if you now think about our roles just in the YouTube channel alone right Mm -hmm. what do I love double teaming on a track Yep. Hanging out with everybody yep. and building the stuff, be the using the creative right. end of it, mm-hmm. right? The editing. Like Casey right. loves and the going the out, filming. the part of nature, connecting, just chilling, right? right? Being in it and take that. He worried about the health and looking at it, and I'm on the back end of that, right. being like, let's put this together in a creative manner to inspire, entertain, and something we can all gather around, right? Right. And it's like that's it's totally interesting that the same thing could have two different impacts, but those relate and go together so well. Well, Ryan would come home from school and he'd have to have some project made. Mm-hmm. Look at the projects we made. Oh, now dude. you guys, school so projects. We we many. destroyed. Like they're like make so a model, and I'm like projects. wham, globe. What's up, homemade? <laughs> right? So many school yeah. projects and. We were able to make them so elaborate and so in-depth and so cool because of the tools that the taxonomy brought. Whether it was sure. the particular tools you needed to craft a certain certain thing right. or <laughs> the creativity that it brought out in us based on watching you create something. Yeah. yeah. And really, taxonomy is an art form. You, you would come home and you'd say, well, we got to make this. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a duct tape and staples. That's like, a perfect impression, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make this. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> you know, and, and I would just look around and make something out of nothing. Right. Oh, right? all the time. There, there'd be this, you know, can. and, and The a, swords for our Shakespeare play. Right. The, 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 <laughs> the quarter inch veneer that I happen to have. You know, I'd have some yeah. scrap wood. We'd go in the scrap wood box and we'd dig something out and I'd get out the saber saw we cut it all up, and I build you guys shields and and. The taxidermy you know, really showed us how to make something out of nothing. Right? Yeah, literally, just MacGyver something together and make you know. it work. Right. And and then as we were doing it, I'd say, well, what would make this cool? Yeah. To right. you guys, and like it should have this, and it well, should have that. You, you'd have some like I need was, this color scheme. Or that was that. This. That was good parenting on your end because it inspired creativity. For our inspired us to create on our own. Right. Dad, it's got well, to attachments. I would, I would just say, okay, dream. And you would yep. say, well, it should have this and it should have that. We'd have some scraps on the table, right? Yep. And then you'd say, well, it ought to have this and it ought to have that. And I said, well, this is pretty close. 
try this and wow that looks great how about some of this and well we could use you know these tacks for eyes and right and and yeah. on it would go and like you guys it would just spark you and you get this thing all built up and then you'd carry it down the steps on the way to school <laughs> you have your project right and you'd come on the bus and everybody's oh wow. right and you'd sit down and you were so happy about that right yeah, oh yeah. and and in the end that helps your problem solving skills it helps your creativity. It helps your com- it builds imagina- confidence. Imagination. Yeah. Just oh, like, wow. Really and those are all important that. skills, especially in this day and age. And, yeah. you know, you want to foster that right. in everybody, even if they're old. You want to foster that, right. you know, and, and that's a good thing. And I would just, I, I took advantage of every, every chance for you guys to just grow. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't so much steering as it was growing here. Right. Just what think. You Use think. your brain, right? Use yeah, your brain. Yeah, what do you think? And then, you know, what do you think? And you guys love it. That's stupid. That's <laughs> or that is genius. Right? That's, that's just, oh, that's perfect. And if we do this, right, and we can hot glue that. And next thing you know, this thing is just flying. And you guys are like, wow. And then when your friends would have something, you'd be like, well, just do that. And then look around and say, take this and take that and slam it on that. Boom. There you go. Problem and they'd be solved. like, wow, how did you do that? Right. You guys had that. And that was really, really good for you. And of course, you to be a taxidermist, you have to have some creativity. It's art. Yeah. It, it You're, really it is literal. Art it's a literal part. art form. And nothing yeah. is the same. So it's like you got some stuff. Every that's deer's close. different. Every right. fish is different. And, and it, of course, it always comes with problems. Right. Yeah. So there's a problem solving part to it, a creativity part to it, and do the best you can part and make it happen part. What was your? What was your? What was your least favorite part about it? About taxidermy, what was and is it the same if it is? Like, what um, did you not enjoy about it? There has to be something that was either like a pain, or you know what I mean. Like, me if I had to work longer than I planned on working, I detested that. Like, I was I was used to the factory manufacturing job, and at five, four o'clock, at four o'clock, Ooh. we're going home. Yeah. So like, we're gonna hammer it. Look out! Here it comes. But at 4.01, clang, all the tools drop and walk away, right? Yeah, right. So, like, if I had in my mind what I was doing and I wanted to get this done today, and I would look at the clock and say, I can get X done. And then some monkey wrench would come along, some school project or somebody talking or, or a whatever. Or waiting yeah, too long right, time, yeah. Right, or whatever. You know, yeah. then all of a sudden I had to stay extra and work extra when I had planned on, like, being done. Right. That part of it really bothered me. And then if I ended up having to hurry or something before the, the real finishing of the project was done and it didn't come out quite as much as I want, I was always fussy about how I wanted. And it's like it's got to be at least this quality all the time. And as soon as it varied and or went below that, I disappointed myself a little bit, and I just wouldn't like that because I was pressed for time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the yeah. pressure of having, you know, to uh, manufacture art. Yeah, the pressure to yeah. manufacture art in a yeah. business situation yep. every single day, all the time. You know, and if you have to paint smiley, you know, paint people's portraits for a living, and then today I just feel like doing a smiley face because. Had a bad day or something. You can't it. do that. You have no. to just do what you always do. You keep so that it was quite a grind, and yeah. it, it was a pressure grind. And it it would your mother would feel it a lot more than me. That bothered her even more when she knew that I had a lot to do, and I felt like I really needed to do it. You know, you can overpressure yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. and. It's it. People will always say when, 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 because they're excited, right? And I don't blame that. But Such at the same time, it's thing like, too. man, I've got a lot to do. Here. And it's been a year since they've had yeah. since they've seen it last. They Just dropped it off you a guys, year ago. You've yeah. been so busy almost from the get go that you've been a year out always. Just always. about twelve to yeah, fourteen months. There right. was only a couple times when I was down to six months or four months worth of work. But it really hasn't ever been that way ever. It's because you're too good. That's your problem. You gotta fix it. You gotta knock down your quality maybe not, a little maybe bit. Maybe not everybody agrees with that, but um, regardless, I would always do my best all the time and and do the best you can with what you got. And I tried to do that my whole life. And sometimes I was definitely better than others. And everybody's that way, I guess. But. That comes with any industry. And yeah, or, any or anything you do, any facet of your you, life. Sometimes, you have some days you're good. Some days you're on it, and other days you're just like yeah. meh. Yeah, 
and our lives were busy. They were busy socially, they were busy business-wise, and they were busy yeah. just life. We had a lot going on. Yeah, we did. Like, that mountain in Alaska would have nothing on me. Yeah, I had, think of the things that have happened in our shop. All yeah. the people and the, some of the conversations that we've had have been just incredible. Hours and hours and hours, like this 11 o'clock, guys, it's time to go to bed. Yeah, to bed. Halloween, right? Halloween in the shop. And I mean, we've that's had some awesome. parties, <laughs> Halloween parties yeah. in the shop. It's right? a good-sized shop, too. It's, yeah. what, 50 yeah. by 50? Yeah, quite a building. And to have to have all the things, the car repairs and all the... Hunter all education. The, oh, my God. Oh, all the, the craziness is really something. It's been really an elaborate, quite a story. And so many people have wanted to um, get into it. And if you're thinking about doing taxidermy, you ought to give it a go. I mean, it's not for everybody but it's certainly fun. It's not rocket science, I always say that. It's not rocket science, rockets are rockets, that's it. Um, it's, it's really a smoke show for the most part. It's not all that difficult. And if you have some really how-to skills, I've always been a chainsaw carpenter. If you're a DIY kind of person. Yeah, I really am. Like I can just, just grab onto it and give it a whirl. And it's, it's not all that hard and once you understand it. And if you can put your ego aside and not worry about screwing up, and just go for it and just try it. It's so rewarding. You start small. Yeah, and it's so easy. Yeah. And it's it's a lot of fun. And you know, the the creativity possibilities are wicked. And when you really look into it and you look at what some people create, oh it's awesome. Yeah. This there's some awesome there are some awesome who, pieces. Like it's so real. Oh, it looks geez. so real. Looks like a, yeah. yeah. Looks like you yeah. get up and walk away. Yeah. I, I've loved being able to see the variances. You know, when you see people, they're all so different, but they're all exactly the same. People are people. Mm. Yeah. And unless you look at millions of them, you won't start to see them all being the same. <laughs> I've noticed that in the last few years, how many antlers have you held? How many have you looked at? I think my hands are, Count. I always call them bone magnets, right? Yeah. The antlers <laughs> just come to my hands. There's some of us that are like that, right? Yeah. They they just seem, I, I step and trip on them. You know, <laughs> how many moose sheds have I stepped on? I didn't even see them. I stepped right on the damn Boop. thing. And then it's like, punk, and it hits you in the back of the leg. And you say, oh, man, I always how like the stupid ones, am I? I always like the ones where you step over it, and I watch you step over it, and like, Dad, turn around. What? And he picks it up. Come here. Shed dog himself. It's right yeah. there. Yeah. And I'll, I'll see it on the trail. I'm behind Dad. And I'm like, <laughs> let me walk. I over. let him walk right over it. I'm like, Dad, stop. <laughs> what? You stepped over a shed. Oh, F you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, and there's been so many beautiful deer, and, yeah. and I've loved deer so much, and I never met a bad one, and always just, just loved them all. And to be able to kind of recreate them and put them on the wall is pretty neat, even though now I don't cling to them the way I used to. Yeah. You know, if your mother took the sawzall to them all because she was mad at me, it wouldn't bother me now as much as it would have back then, mm. right? Don't sure. touch my those, deer. Those <laughs> if she takes a sawzall to mush buck, we're going to have some family problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least the taxidermy and dad taught you the skills to fix the antlers that it she cut off. It won't be the same. No. It's like gluing together a smashed pumpkin. That'll break your A smashed yeah. pumpkin. It's been, it's been awesome. Quite a ride. So many lessons and so many things that you couldn't even begin to touch and scratch with a single podcast. Yeah. You couldn't. Because yeah. it's, it's been invaluable. And such, such like, like Casey had said, it's pretty humbling. Humbling beginnings, and it's created an opportunity for us to do this kind of stuff, to yeah. spend so much time hunting, to get to know people who are interested in the things that we've been connected to since day one. Oh, yeah. And to see people, hear the stories, touch antlers, pet coyote pelts, and a beaver, and all this other Wear stuff. Wear bear fur. That's right. Oh, my God. So oh, many things. Yeah. Jeez. The haunted hayride. Yeah. 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 Everybody wearing bear fur. Yeah. Hey, Dad, you got any bear fur? We need some bear yeah, fur. We gotta make a costume, right? We're gonna make a costume for Halloween, and I'm gonna wear all this bear fur, and we'll go to school in it. You know, <laughs> it's just like that kind of stuff just happened. You know, yeah, crazy. Nowadays, you couldn't do that. Yeah, um, you could. No, maybe problem. not. Watch this. No problem. It just, you know, it is what it is. Yep. It was in it. It really isn't any of it that fantastic, but it ain't that bad either. What's well, mm -hmm. been? What do you think is your favorite part about the shop itself? What do you think you enjoy the most, Case? 
I enjoy I enjoy the stories the most I think all the people and just their their enthusiasm especially when they first get in there and mom's like and mom's like tell me the story yeah and they're like oh this (laughs) (laughs) and all you can do is just smile and it's like it just makes you feel that good makes you feel uh so sparkly inside because you're like they're they're just in it they're in it so much and it's like that's that's what i love the most it's a real genuine celebration of what's happened to them that's right. And that's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal to them. And when you can share it with somebody else, that's a big deal. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beef, what about you, man? What your favorite part about the shop? Oh, there's so many. Yeah, the, well, just pick something you really like then. If you're spoiled for choice. The wood stove. <laughs> it's always toasty. In the middle of the shop, Dad's got this big homemade cast iron wood stove that we got off um joe lajeunesse i used to work for joey back right out of high school and he had this big quarter inch cast iron three foot firebox beast of a stove but it had a perfect flat top for cooking on and the shop is a big open concept the only thing that's got any walls is around the bathroom right and it's just got this giant flue that goes straight through the ceiling and a big 14 foot high ceilings and coming into the shop Dad's always got a little bit of a fire going because he's got to dry the mounts out. Yeah. But like um, in the winter, you get off the bus. The bus, and of course the bus, old school buses, have no insulation. It's basically a giant tin can rolling down the street when it's 20 below outside. And you're cold, you're all wet, you come inside in that just instant heat. But the stove was the centerpiece for the conversations yeah. that we got to have because you're sitting there drying up, you're all huddled up. Don't hit the don't hit the bare mount, okay? It's right. drying the paint's the paint's fresh. Don't touch it. Yeah. So you're sitting there huddled up and dad's like, "You want a uh, a peanut butter and bacon sandwich?" Yeah. <laughs> and or and yeah. he'd be cooking on the stove and Grilled cheese and deer and you name it. Yep. A lot of deer and been cooked on this. We stove. had so yeah. many good conversations around that stove between yeah. us and the stove was just so inviting. Mm-hmm. And being in the center of the shop, it drew you in. The heart of the shop. It, yeah. uh-huh. it, it's the fire of the shop. That's right. You know, yeah. the center of it all. Yep. For sure, some of the deep conversations. We've had some really deep, good conversations that needed to be said. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it was sometimes with customers. It was sometimes with just people who stopped. It was sometimes family. It was sometimes politicians. Yep. yep. I've you've had, had some a, really deep, had, good conversations. You've had a that, lot of politicians that, in the show. They, they've just stopped in, and I'm like, so, let's talk. Yep. yep. And we've had, we've, you know, we had a great conversation with Anthony Polina. And he helped us with some legislation, fish and wildlife legislation, that was, like, monumental to Vermont. And it made a huge difference. And some of the conversations that were sparked in that shop turned into laws and regulations, or or just turned into something really important right. that we didn't know at the time, right? For sure, you know, just like the shop itself did. Yeah. You, we've spent so much time in that shop. The hours. A lot. I almost feel more at home in the shop <laughs> than I do in the house we grew up in. Because yeah. mom and dad still live in the house that all of us boys basically grew up in. We were only at the first house where he had it in the tax room, the basement, for a short time. Very short I was only a time. year old, so yeah. I, I, yeah. Never, I never, never knew, knew it. I never knew the other house. Right. But, like, I love that house, everything about it. House is just as equally a large story, just like any of your homes were growing up. Sure. But the shop, though. Yeah. It just, yeah. like, it, was you, it almost life. feels like your whole lives occurred around taxidermy. It was our living room, the shop. It Basically. was. It was. Right. We, what would be a, a living and room in a house you and almost, what it represented. When, it if was, anybody was there, that's where we all wanted to be. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? One person was down there. We're all, we're all headed to the shop. That's right. any, oh, <laughs> Dad's walking down. I'm just going to get the vacuum or <laughs> we'll something. We're like, you. we're going with you. Yeah. Right? We and would walk just to walk down and then walk back. I love, I, yeah. there's a part. There's a part in The Grinch, right? The Jim Carrey The Grinch, when after he uh, terrorizes Whoville, he goes back up to his house and he goes, uh, no place like home, right? And all the lights come on. <laughs> yeah. You see his giant cave. And every time you walk in the shop after a long time, we all kind of like make that joke. <laughs> and I go, like, 
honey, <laughs> I'm home. And of course, when you flick the lights, it's all it's big industrial lights, so it has that like chuk 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 almost kind of sound to it, right. and kind of like one mm, light, and like a buzziness. Right. The, if you guys <laughs> haven't been to the shop, Northfield, Vermont, you gotta you gotta swing over there sometime. It's it's a cool place, and you just get this vibe when you walk in there, and there's just always something interesting going on. There's always something new, and you get, you're either at the flesh and wheel or over at your workbench, you know. And it's been it's been pretty monumental, that's yeah, for sure. Definitely. I had no idea what what that would turn into. Like, wow. I don't think any of us would change from being a taxidermist son. No, no. Way. You know what I mean? And I don't think I would ever imagine you in any other. You know what I mean? Like, you talk about doing granite and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can see it, but, dude, you're a taxidermist. (laughs) (laughs) I think on that note, like, the only reason why I would think to see that differently is because I remember going to the granite sheds with you. Yeah, you actually. When when the big saw was shut off and you'd have to be like, oh, it's 11 o'clock at night. Your mom's at the bank cleaning. I got you. You got to come with me because you're a toddler. I can't leave you here. So you'd get me these, you'd be like, okay, put these earplugs in, we'd go in the shop, and the place was just massive. Huge, and, huge. But, like, even then, yeah. it's been taxidermy. Like, right. the granite shed was cool, and it had its thing, but it's not the same impact as the taxidermy was, for sure. Right. Because it, we weren't so engulfed in the the granite industry because it was someplace else, but the taxidermy was home. Right? You know, yeah, and it, it wasn't... It didn't fit. You know what I mean? Like everything else is has been built around taxidermy. Taxidermy and hunting in nature. Yeah. Like you grew up farm boy style and all this other stuff. And it's just been so about the woods and about the animals and about us gathering around as a unit. It's about it's been about your family, about your pack, about your hunting party. Right. It's been about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all the adventures with those right. and I think that fueled the entire thing. And because of together. where we were, that's right. We only had each other. That's right. Like us kids, we never went down into town. We like too far away. We rarely ever hung out <laughs> with anybody else. We just had each other. Well, it's because we didn't need to find what it was we, perfect. Well, it was because perfect. everything we needed to find and needed to discover and needed to learn was already was already there. It was either in the shop yeah. or with us, and we didn't need to go out and find other sources well, to we get went, that information. We went to it. We right. go fishing. Right. Exactly. I mean, we, we we go thirty five, forty fishing trips this summer. Oh, at least. oh every weekend. At least. Just fish, fish. Back fish. when we, we used to fish, you guys remember, remember fishing? Yeah, yeah, I remember fishing. Yeah, yeah move to Maine, start a business. Well, of all times. Just the conversations <laughs> on the fishing boat have been really some some good stuff. Uh, oh yeah. The, the conversations in the woods that we've had, or driving down the road, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Coming yeah. and going from hunting, yep. have been huge. Um, it's gotten us into filming. It's got us into talking to people uh, into we, podcasting yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people that we've had the opportunity to shake hands with you know that we've gotten to know oh, it's yeah. really been humbling it, it, it's been who'd have known it had been turned into some of the like relationships that. that taxidermy has fostered not to mention where it's going to go in the future here. right yeah right. not just it tens of thousands it could be millions yeah oh, yeah yeah so it's like and and that's all cool and things, but then again, we're just ordinary people. We just have lives like everybody else, and, and we're there's nothing special about us. But by the same token, it is kind of special because there's only the versions of us that there is, yep. and there'll only be the version of you and what you got going on. And it's it's really it's been different, that's for sure. If you guys are interested, and you're, if you're thinking about taxidermy or any of these other questions, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, Ask Mountain Deer. Uh, at gmail a-s-k-m-t-n-d-e-e-r at gmail uh, if you have any questions feel free to fire them over there you know whether whether it's stuff for dad about you know how to get into it what he uses for all this other jazz we have tons of videos about like kind of like easy diy taxidermy kind of stuff we have on our youtube channel like how to how to make a horn plaque how to do a turkey tail plaque and a bunch of other things how to cape deer how to skin the heads all that jazz been doing a lot of those I've been trying to put out a little bit more of those kind of things for you guys that are interested in that but right. and we'll, we'll do a few more yeah um, in the end but um, it's really pretty simple pretty easy and if you're really thinking about it you really ought to give it it's a rewarding it's, it, it really is. is and and in the end um, it'll make you more well-rounded when you you learn something even if you, you weren't just gonna do it as a business if you just kind of did it for yourself yeah. It's a rewarding thing. It's very rewarding. To right. be able Casey's to... squirrel's still sitting on the, the, yep. the 
bench. As a business card holder. Yeah, he's he's still holding <laughs> business cards, and and you know that little red squirrel that was a big deal to him when he, he was. was he was little. Yeah. Yeah, it's really something interesting. Um, another thing too, uh, the pumpkin seed, you lay it in the plaster. Oh yeah, make we went, a cast. We went. We made a cast of. Um, yeah, fish. I think it was my first ever pumpkin seed at Baker's Pond, just down the road from your shop in yeah. Northfield, where we grew up, and we took. Uh, it was a milk jug, cut it out so it was a couple inches high, but it had just the bottom. Filled it with full of plaster and laid the. Of course, the pumpkin seed's dead. Laid the pumpkin seed into it and pressed them into it and let it start to cure and then peel them up and then paint it and then peel the pumpkin seed up so it's got a bright red background. But it's a perfect plaster cast that pumpkin seed. Yeah. That was so cool. And that was another has that. and yeah, yeah. that's yeah. another thing that the ta- and that was Right. Uh, Dude, was 25 like, years ago, yeah. roughly. Yeah. I was just a, a teeny bopper. But and that was another thing the taxidermy brought out too was that little a little bit of creativity you can do involving nature and wildlife preserving the memories too yeah and, and it yeah it brought yeah. it brought about the see you you kind of think when you first think like getting a deer mount done you think of it as a trophy thing and in a way it is but the association with the shoulder mount the classic buck mount is look at this thing I overcame. And I got, look at this, you know, look what I did, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a flex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Like a sports it's, trophy. It's become more of a, this is how you preserve the Memory. specialness mm-hmm. of that. Like you yeah. didn't, like you say it all the time, like you didn't have an opportunity to be in the majority of that deer's life except for at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and it reminds you so much about how beautiful nature is, how close all of it is, right? It also does a little bit of, like, mortality. It puts some things into perspective, and it also shows that a very small percentage of time and effort can make a lifelong impact on yourself. And it's like, if you don't take any pictures and after you eat it, right? You got nothing left. You got nothing left. And, like, any deer that you should get a deer mounted, you should have an animal mounted, just because, like, the every time you look at it, it refires up everything. Like I walk in the shop, look at mush buck every time, right? Not my biggest, okay. not my biggest deer, but it was one that had a lot of impact for me. And it was all, it was the deer that said, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt forever because this is awesome." Yeah, and it, and all of that stuff gets re re brought up every time I see that, and it's it's crazy. It's I'm, crazy what you can get out of. I remember out of when I shot my my doe, the Pittsburgh Princess. Uh, I think I was 16. Yeah. 16, 15, 16. 16. I think yeah. it was my last year to youth hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we had the experience. It was, uh, dad, Casey and myself and muzzleloader in Pittsburgh shot the deer. It was such a pinnacle moment in my hunting career and what it taught me. And then I remember reporting it and the guys like, oh, you shot a doe? I'm like, yeah, it's my first doe. I said, I can't wait to get it mounted. And the guy looked at me like I had four heads. Like, why would you get that doe mounted? I looked right at him and said, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it wasn't even a question in my mind. Yeah. Right. It's like, this thing means the world to me. Because it also, because and what of the it background of taxidermy. Yes, and right. what this deer actually represents. It's not the trophy buck that in his mind but it's a trophy to me mm-hmm. for a different reason for a completely different reason but it's still a trophy mm-hmm. and like you were saying there's no such thing as a bad deer no. no and i will always no matter how big or how small the deer i get i will get every one of them mounted yeah. because of what it represents to me yeah. and it to me it's not about the trophy on the wall it's the memorial mm. i'm it's my way of honoring what took place and what I became out of it. Yeah, preserving the memories of that. Yeah. And, and it's a reminder of who you are in relationship to the deer, in relationship to all the other people and nature and because you are you're a part of it just as much as they are. And oh, yeah. And you're, you're a part of something so much bigger than yourself. That's right. Oh, for sure. Nature's way bigger than all of us. And That's right. I think... We're sandcastles. Humanity. <laughs> oh, sandcastles on the beach, for sure. They're, all they're temporary. That's right. And I think nature and the taxidermy really kind of set in motion that you are part of nature. And I think humanity has a very big disconnect from nature. Mm-hmm. Because we get in the hustle and bustle of our lives and we, we don't see the woods. We don't think of the birds as what they actually are. 
because we're so caught up in our own our own heads, honestly. Oh, linear viewpoint about everything. Very everything much so. start to stop. It's it's a race to the end and all that kind right. of life and nature is really not about those. And how things. can you use it? Force and control. Exactly. Right. right. And, and you know, and that, that's really not yeah. the way it is. And our understanding of or our lack of understanding about nature is one of the reasons we're so disturbed. Yeah. Because that nature yeah, is, if you don't know about nature, nature, how can you know about the nature of yourself? Yeah, right. That's right. Right. And because that, you're that part of the Because you are a part of, of nature, you learn really? so much when you're a hunter. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. that's like this horrendous topic that we're definitely going to get yeah. into at some point. Yeah. yeah. And we want Coco Puff here for that. Yes. Yeah. So he's got some very good points in that. But definitely taxidermy is kind of the heart of where. It's been great. It's where everything started. Been, yeah, it's been the root. It's, it's the tap root of everything. It really so for is. Us, it has been. It's been. It was the seed to get this tree going. Yeah, really was. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you in a, hope you enjoyed this uh, little kind of behind the scenes kind of thing about how this all got going. A little bit of getting to know Dad and how how this mountain deer thing has uh, come about. Um, if you guys have any questions. Once again, you can you know send those over to our podcast email, askmountaindeer at gmail. And uh, feel free to connect with us on, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. All those links are uh, in the description. Some more information about that. We really appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you guys are maybe thinking about giving this a go. Um, and we will see you in the next podcast. Sounds great. Happy so hunting, long. guys. Take care, guys. Good luck out there. Happy hunting.